1: Hmm. what if the people don't like this new setup what if they don't like this new Alaska. space hmm. should we take
0: like a poll give the people what they want <laughs> give them what they want <laughs> welcome to freightonomics new look at the desk if you've been watching Freightwaves now you'll know we're not the only ones uh with sonar guys oh, okay. actually I looked good yesterday at the desk, so I was like, why not? Let's give it a shot. Uh, I'm Zach Strickland, head of Freight Market Intelligence. With me, as always, Anthony Smith, chief economist here at Freight Waves. Uh, thanks for tuning in today, uh, or listening, whenever you're listening, if you're listening on the podcast I hope side. you're consuming it. Yeah. Uh, you know, tell us what you think of the show. Tell us what you think of, uh, you know, our new look set up here. <laughs> so yeah. we're, you know, the customer is always right. Yeah and a matter of taste is the rest of that <laughs> statement. <That's laughs> the not, often left yeah, off. Often left off second part of the equation in matters of taste, um, which means that give them what they wanna buy. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Also, I'm gonna be listening in to see what you guys wanna hear and what you guys are all talking about because we are streaming live right now on LinkedIn, also on YouTube, so I will be looking down from time to time To also have my numbers right, but also be watching the stream. So if you want to join the show, be a part of the show, you have some insight, what you're seeing, some trends, anything, questions like that, join in, be a part of the show as well.
0: Also, we got a sponsor. We got two sponsors. We're out here. (laughs) We're out there. (laughs) Got to give some love uh, to our sponsors. Thanks to uh, Pacuret and Cubascan. Pacuret, uh, no more fighting with spreadsheets simulate harnesses the power of Pacuret's patented cartonization algorithm, say that three times, uh, so you can simulate millions of partial shipments and identify your ideal carton mix. Learn more at Concret, I
1: mean, We appreciate you. Uh,
0: yeah, we definitely do. And obviously, we love the technology and the efficiency that is gained from said technology here at FreightWave. So always nice to see, uh, especially things like this. You know, I was an LTL. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a lot of inefficiency, uh, and in jumbling around, uh, all the different parcels and packages. And of course I'm not talking about parcel as LTL, but lots of, when you break up a truck, Yeah, there's all sorts of moving parts. People don't understand. I always tell like people, when you go from truckload to LTL and subsequently into parcel, it's like going from basic math to calculus. Yes, I got a a,
1: a little bit of a glimpse of that when I was able to go to the final mile forum and kind of see some of that final mile aspect of everything. And it's just the complications and really all the intricacies that go into that, just like the route planning is it gets messy.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, any any time you can gain efficiency from technology in that space, parcel and LTL, I think it's it's probably one of the least served uh, sitting out there right now. My opinion, take it or leave it. I'm with it, I'm with it. But Zach,
1: we have to get things kicked off here and we also have to talk about, of course, the market, the updates, and so if anyone is just now tuning in and you know what, maybe you don't have all day, all afternoon, you don't have 30 minutes, you just have two minutes, Zach, you might be their man.
0: I feel I feel like this is why I do it. <laughs> you do it for the people like this. So Zach, for the people.
1: I'm gonna count you in for the in two. Are you ready? Let's do it. In three, two, one, go.
0: All right, let's lead things off with our OTVI, taking the traditional holiday dip there, but big takeaways, whenever we're looking at the OTVI, the count of, or the index that, based on the count of tenders going from shipper to carrier, requesting contracted freight capacity, uh, I'm looking at the trends, and the trend for this one continues to be upwards. Uh, We see the OTVI in white for the current year, and that is still moving higher. We're over 2019 there in the purple. Uh, significantly higher than that, by the way. And then we're starting to kind of get closer to last year's values. Now this is not necessarily the best news because last year we were in a deterioration cycle. This year we're in an upswing and this demand pattern is persistent. Uh, You know, This is more seasonal when we're looking at September, but it's been upward moving since June, Anthony. So I mean, uh, when I'm looking at this, volumes from August being higher than June, not necessarily something we we typically see. Let's go to the next one here. Look at what it's doing to capacity. Not a whole lot, but tender rejection rates are moving higher or have moved higher. They've come down a little bit over the last couple of days, as you would expect after the Labor Day holiday peak, uh, starting to move a little bit lower. And spot rates, excluding fuel costs there in green, ticking higher, but not substantially. So, A lot of this freight is not falling into the spot market just yet, or there's just not a significant amount of upward pressure as 4.2% rejection rates are still not very high, historically speaking. They're just higher than they have been. And again, that peak being higher than July 4th, absolutely a critical component here to suggest that things are starting to tighten underlying all this abundant capacity. Moving into the next chart, looking at Votri, try, and Rotri, we can see the refrigerated rejection rates starting to come back down after that Labor Day peak. Flatbed rejection rates starting to tick back up. But the refrigerated inflection point here might be kind of a canary in the coal mine.
1: Ding, ding. So Zach, let's talk about that and that try that refrigerated. Yeah. What are some of your initial thoughts on that?
0: Uh, the fact that try is, you know, and that was the one in blue on our previous chart here, if we want to pull that back up. The 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 fact that try was trending higher pretty steadily. Now, again, flatbed's going to be, less dense yeah it's only about a five to ten percent representation in the total tender data that we have so that makes it very uh volatile when you're looking at it but it does line up really well with the spot market rate trends overall flatbed rates have been higher for flatbed than refrigerated and van combined but uh you know refrigerated is suggesting and especially the way that it's kind of separating itself there from the van side that's you know, refrigerated capacity is less so than dry van. That's like your general ubiquitous commodity, (laughs) transportation commodity out there. Refrigerator represents about 15 to 20% of the total truckload market. Um, So the fact that it's been so close, we've seen that situation be so close, those two lines be so close for the last several months, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. So the fact they're starting to separate and refrigerated capacity is getting tighter even though it's not dramatic outside of that spike around Labor Day, I think that may be a sign that, just like the rejection rates spiking up over July 4th levels, it's a sign that things are moving that direction, yeah. you know? And it's not, it's not getting worse for carriers, even though it's gonna feel not a lot different. <laughs> yeah.
1: One of the ones that I think was interesting, of course, uh, in my bias opinion, of course, gonna be Votri. Oh, Uh, is that it's starting to see a little bit of a a resurgence once again. And I don't think it comes as too much of a surprise. I think, of course, think about flatbed. There's a few different things that go into it. Of course, construction is going to be a big one, and manufacturing is also going to be another segment. And I think we've seen, of course, some weakness in manufacturing, not all the way across the entire spectrum. So, of course, look at the ISM PMI. There's weakness, there's contraction there for months on top of months. But also you look at something like industrial production. It's an indexed report, not measured in millions of dollars like some of the other durable goods reports are. Um, It's showing that there are some segments that are doing better than others. So like automotive, outpacing some parts of machinery, things like that. Um, But really, the big driver, I think, is going to be for some aspects of residential construction. So housing starts can kind of be somewhat volatile, especially when looking at multifam. Um, Big thing is, of course, there is such little inventory for existing homes that there's propping up a lot of new homes. And some of the other subcomponents that don't really get highlighted within The census bureau report for housing and construction is going to be homes still under construction which is still near record highs or homes that have been authorized but not yet started so this goes beyond permits that okay you've been approved but you haven't started just yet so there's a backlog of homes that have not really been just implemented on on and ground just yet
0: yeah I, I think it's it's interesting because the macroeconomic indicators in my mind and, and correct me if i'm misreading <laughs> uh largely are pr- still presenting we're heading towards contraction in the economy like kind of a recessionary feel to them uh you know we just had the jobs report uh i think things deteriorated in the jobs market as you're expecting right
1: Yeah, so we saw a tick up in the unemployment rate. We saw job openings come down. Um, One of the ones that didn't get the memo was initial jobless claims, which just got updated this morning, Mm -hmm. showing that there was a drop below 220 initial jobs claims now down to, let's see here, 216,000. So initial jobs claims didn't get the memo at all, but other measures. So like we saw weakness in um, payrolls added from the ADP report,
0: things like that. So we're starting to see some weakness there. But unemployment went up to 3.8%, which was a significant jump, right?
1: That was a pretty significant jump, especially because, um, you know, there was this expectation that there was going to be around 3.5 or so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 3.8, pretty significant jump. Um, Still this overwhelming demand for leisure and hospitality. Um, Even seen in the latest ISM services measure, which measures, instead of the ISM manufacturing, which measures manufacturing, the service would measure as it would kind of hint to services. That shows um, still growth and expansion, especially with leisure and hospitality. It's like this last hurrah um, that a lot of people are taking summer trips. Uh, Zach, uh, that might be going. Summer's over, Labor Day ends up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Last hurrah, like, you know, I guess kids are back to school as well, yeah. too. So they're, consumers are still spending on services. I think they will continue to spend on services, even as we get into some of the winter months as well.
0: Yeah, I don't like the consumer conditions right now. But we are seeing this resilience in the freight market. You saw the OTVI. We're seeing things look like they're getting tighter. And that, in my mind, is more of a sign, you know, this, 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 is, this feels like kind of a one-off. to me uh and one of the reasons is i believe that we're seeing a little bit of kind of pull forward um you know now that the maritime sector is opened up a little bit more i think shippers are starting to like say okay we got our inventories down (laughs) we're gonna have a little bit of freight just in case, have a little bit of that old school mentality from two years ago, uh, pull some of this freight in. We might've gotten our inventories down a little bit lower than we wanted to, but we wanna make sure that if we do have a resilient consumer environment in Q4, we pull some of this freight forward. And one of the biggest markets that is being impacted here on this is the Ontario, California market. Uh, if we wanna pull up the, uh, the, yeah, that chart right there, the one where we're looking at uh, outbound tender rejection index values for the Ontario market and long haul outbound tender rejection index values for the Ontario market. And this, is, this market is like Inland Empire, very warehouse centric, one of the largest ones in the United States. And the fact that capacity's tightened out here because demand has been growing out of this area over the last several months, we're seeing this is a replenishment heavy area. So a lot of long haul freight comes out of Southern California and it goes into the fulfillment centers on the East coast yeah. and, or gets staged in the middle of the country in Dallas, for instance. And the fact that we're seeing capacity and that, that 8% number is significant. <laughs> uh, that is well above the national average of 4.2%. <laughs> so this is the market to watch uh, moving forward. Cause it's, that's going to tell us whether or not we have a sustainable increase in demand or whether or not we're still seeing this pull forward and
1: speaking of that demand of course before it comes to the u.s as to go through the oceans and kind of transitioning here into our news onomics we also have to talk to one of the latest articles from the great henry byers that just got released not too long ago uh
0: this this article was phenomenal i you anytime obviously henry byers writes something you need to read it uh he has one of the best uh you know especially even if you're not involved in ocean like a lot of good forward looking data in our ocean data here. And I wanna highlight some of that in this article. So uh, ocean carriers record rejection, record rejections last dish effort to bolster spottering. So there's some noise here. Yeah, It's not like the truckload market. Ocean carriers have a little bit more control of their capacity. (laughs) Uh, And the first data point I wanna pull up here because I think this one's probably one of the more relevant is the bookings. Uh, Tony Mulvey and I talked about this one this morning. This is counting the number of requests from importers to providers with about an eight to 11 day lead time on whether or not they're gonna get a shipment into the United States, a BOL. (laughs) And you can see there's a downtick here. We had a little bit of an upward swing and now it's starting to move lower. We peaked out around August 1st. And we've seen the volumes come in. They've been coming in. This is a 13-day lead time into the West Coast. Actually, it's longer than that. It's about a 20-day lead time into the West Coast when you're looking at bookings. Um, And this is telling us that what I just said was right. (laughs) We got a little bit of a one-off situation, some influx of freight coming in sooner than we expected.
1: And it's interesting because, of course, a lot of what's happened over the past few years is going to be fresh on a lot of people's minds. Of course, you know, bullwhip effects mm-hmm. over supply inventory, whittling that inventory down, then having just in case, instead of just in time, now just in time, just in, yep. just in case. So there's just so many factors to really kind of go through. But what Henry is saying here is almost kind of making sense as well with a lot of the sentiment being sent out by a lot of big shippers with expectations and downgrading expectations except for maybe Walmart of <laughs> what to expect and from their results in the latter parts of this
0: of this year. Yeah, and 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 I think, you know, you have to really read this article. Uh please, everyone should read this article. This is one of the best things uh to kind of navigate what we're seeing. So ocean rejection rates uh not necessarily exactly the same thing as a tender rejection rate, but it's similar in the way that Uh, You know, carriers are rejecting, you know, they're saying we're not going to carry the freight. (laughs) Uh, And you can see they're spiking in this next chart that we're going to pull up here. So ocean rejection rates jumping up above 10% for the first time in a long, long time. Um, And then I want to follow this up. Like, why, why would, you know, okay, well, demand increased, Zach. Except it's not increasing right now, it actually is going down and rejection rates spiking uh, with demand doesn't make sense. Except this next chart here really pulls it together and says, here's this vessel capacity of ships moving through and picking up these fre- this freight. You can see it's going down. Yeah, The capacity is coming offline, they're blank sailing, they're controlling capacity. This is something the truckload market cannot do. <laughs> So that was gonna
1: be the next question. Um, mm-hmm. The rejection rates when we're looking at TEUs, does that equal like the same thing when we look at a rejection rate for a truckload? Does it mean like essentially the same thing or can you come to the same conclusion?
0: It's similar, but not exactly. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't operate the exact same way. Uh, blank sailings, they, like I said, they can control capacity <laughs> uh, a little bit more so than the fragmented truck domestic truckload market. So what the, what Henry's premise is, is that they're doing this to keep spot rates elevated, so that they can capture that revenue because they foresee a dramatic downturn in import demand. That's that's
1: a big one. It's almost like a would you use the c word? Uh, almost like a cartel esque.
0: <laughs> not I not mean, quite it, there. It, it feels that way, but I mean, if if domestic carriers could do this, yeah, they would. They would. Yeah, I, mean, I think any, it's, any, this is smart. to business decision. It, it's business. I mean, we're all in business. So let's, you know, call it what it is. That's not illegal uh, yet, <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> Is it the best relationship builder for the long run? No. (laughs) And that's the thing. That's the big confusing component of this is that this does not help support things uh, moving forward. So uh, I want to hit, you know, I'm going to skip over my next story for a minute and I want to hit this Old Dominion uh, news here that Todd Maiden wrote. Old Dominion sees August impact from Yellow's shutdown. Uh, LTL, obviously one of my favorite things to discuss here. So I get a lot of questions about the LTL sector, and is Yellow situation, you know, can you say that that's actually a part of the LTL sector, or is this unique to Yellow? Mm-hmm. And Old Dominion kind of showing here that it is really unique to Yellow. A lot of freight is coming out of that network and moving into other providers. Old Dominion was sort of the last one to uh, to the table here to get some of this demand because Yellow was a discount LTL carrier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, like it or not, at the end of their term. Um, Old Dominion is premium. You you go to Old Dominion, they they have the service, etc. So uh, Old Dominion's tonnage was down 6% year over year, but... It was much better <laughs> uh, than it was in the previous months. So, Wendy's uh, release said shipments were up six percent sequentially in August to fifty thousand per day, after averaging about forty thousand shipments uh, in the first seven months of the year. So, definitely an impact being felt there. Yeah, they're definitely getting they're there. getting some shipments, and of course, industrial freight accounts for two thirds of so- total volume. Um, so, the industrial sector. You you mentioned it. Yeah, ISM's. Not in a great spot. (laughs) No,
1: not in a great spot. And I think of course, there's still tons of backlogs being worked through in some aspects. Mm -hmm. Although we did see factory orders dip down over 2% in the latest report. um, I think that's another one that's gonna be measured in millions of dollars. I have to double check that one, but we're looking at what's going on. It's like we mentioned before, it's just so segmented in what's doing well within uh, within manufacturing and what's really in the tanks right now. Um, Just anecdotal, one of the things I hear from drivers from time to time, especially my cousin, Planes are doing pretty well, but that's mm-hmm. such a volatile segment. So um, you see non-defense aircraft. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that can spike up, have a huge swing upwards, then a huge swing downwards, depending on where orders are for that one. So that can have also a big impact as well, but it's just such an up and down as the title of the show. Yeah, right
0: and, and and the volatility that it's creating in the LTL segment is, is real. And, of course, if you are a uh, shipper shipping LTL, you should make sure you have the right measurements on your freight, instead of getting hit with those nasty WNR uh, reweigh uh, <laughs> re- and inspection fees, <laughs> good grief, uh, you can definitely use somebody like Cubiscan, where we provide dimensioning, weighing, and integrated systems that increase efficiency and profitability. A WMS, ERP, TMS, or IMS is only as good as the data that powers it. We help you collect accurate product, parcel, and pallet data that you can use to power the software systems within your warehouses, distribution centers, and cross docks. It's so, essential. Yeah, I mean, the idea of knowing what you're shipping. I mean, I, when I was in pricing, <laughs> I, I pricing is based off density. Yeah. It's not, you know, NMFC codes, you got to have them. <laughs> They're there, and they, they account for some of it, but a lot of the direction is moving towards kind of lining up you know, the dimensions with the pricing instead of going through, you know, this classification process. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it's, it's, it's going to be a bigger issue moving forward. And technology obviously is, is, is assisting with making sure that's, that's a little bit more clear. Um, Last
1: story. This also kind of feeds into um, some aspects of yellow as well.
0: Yeah, August Class 8 truck orders reach highest levels since February. Oh, everything's all fine, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, Zach, we're, we're in
0: the clear now. <laughs> we're in the clear. I think Craig w- wrote an article earlier in the year talking about watch out for watching truck order yeah. data as a, as a sign that the market is improving. Um, I think m- February might have been a low point <laughs> uh, for sure, but you know if you read the article it's still down significantly uh preliminary net class eight truck orders reached 19,000 units in august 9% below a year ago but they were the highest in 6 months so it's a this is this is kind of mirroring the freight market data yeah <laughs> you know we did sort of bottom demand wise in february and we've been trending higher and i know we're kind of in this seasonal they call it a slow period although i think the record orders for all time happened in august yeah covid environment you know broke a lot of things but i I think my takeaway here is that this is not really news (laughs) like we're still coming out of this COVID environment where people held equipment longer than ever. Used truck prices are tanking, and he goes on. Alan goes on to talk about it, um, and ACT really goes on to talk about how we're start. We're still seeing capacity. People are entering the market, yeah, <laughs> strangely, but capacity is exiting faster. Than it's entering at this point
1: and it's like this interchange as well so owner operators deciding mm-hmm. to also go f- drive for a company yeah. um, for the time being uh, and kind of make use of some of those contract rates that are a little bit more elevated compared to the spot rate and then also yep. um kind of also kind of it's interesting to see how california is going to play a role into this
0: yeah california of course it's uh you know they're going to have cleaner. (laughs) The regulations are moving towards cleaner equipment. The impact of orders being pulled ahead to avoid higher priced and cleaner diesel trucks uh, for California is uncertain. So there may be a little bit of that pull forward. We're going to order some, uh, you know, new trucks for California, et cetera, to make sure we're ahead of that. I think that kicks off into uh, next year. Or no, 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 two years. Is that uh, the CARB? Uh, Yeah, there's a new regulation in play. We need to do a little research on that because that does Definitely have an impact there in the nation's second largest freight outbound state now, second to Texas. Wow,
1: Texas coming up. We had Noy Mahoney on Not Too Long ago, um with some words from mm-hmm. Texas. Uh, a lot of folks in Texas expecting that they're going to overtake California in terms of overall guess state GDP yeah. um, within the next decade or so. Um, I think they would actually kind of have to add the state of Florida onto them essentially, but with all the activity really popping up in Mexico, that could definitely be feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're looking at, I think, what's going on within California, and of course, that's going to be a big topic of concern,
0: demand's booming right now you're in
1: luck Mm -hmm. because we're going to be doing a net zero carbon summit just a little plug here at you can go over there get registered that's going to be right around the corner so if you are concerned or want to know more about anything that's going on around net zero carbon what's going on with emissions anything like that definitely tune in for that one so that is going to be a great place to get a little bit of knowledge around that as well
0: you know i think the the car the net carbon the net zero carbon stuff kind of gets you know sometimes people are dismissive of it in terms of like how you know, it's okay. I get it. You're hippie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's that, that, but that's like, you have to be cognizant of that. Like, yeah. not just because regulations are moving that direction. California kind of the leader there. Uh, but I think as a business unit, I think if you really look at the big picture here, you're talking about sustainable business practices, not just sustainable environmental issues. If the environment is destroyed, <laughs> It's like a virus. Yeah, an imperfect virus kills its host. Right. We are, you know, not to get all matrixy here, but we—if you—if you destroy the environment you're operating in, you die with it. Yeah. And and that's that's kind of a, a good business. Almost like a union. Right. <clears Yeah. throat> but <laughs> also,
1: one of the other big things is that uh, even if you want to do business, a lot of folks aren't going to do, be able to do business with you if you don't meet certain expectations. So, also another thing that's good for the bottom line as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, uh, you know, don't look at that. I, I, you know, I think the way that it's been packaged has been a little too politicized yeah. in, in recent years. And you got to look at it from a more sustainable business practice out point, uh, outlook than just simply like saving the planet. Yeah, we we should. Just I want to be, I, I want to have a planet. Drink more water <laughs> yeah, as well. Right. Guys, for tuning in. Yeah. Have a great week.